I'm really not going to preach the same message I did last week. We're just kind of in the same book. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. The title of the message is, In Christ You Can Be Gentle. Uh, last week it was, In Christ You Can Be Joyful. This week, In Christ You Can Be Gentle. It's uh, chapter 4, it's verse 5. Relatively short verse, Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. We find ourselves, uh, parents and grandparents, dealing with our, our, our young'uns, good southern word, young'un, we know what that means. It's like gentle, gentle, you know, you find yourself saying that a lot. Uh, you know, when your young child or grandchild is petting a little kitten or a puppy, you want them to be gentle. When they have a new brother, a new sister, a little baby, you want, and of course they want to hold them, and they want to hold them all by themselves, and it terrifies you to, to do that. You, it's like gentle, okay? You know, and, and you're there holding the baby in their arms because you know they're going to get distracted and relax their arms, so it's just gentle, gentle. And, and the purpose of being gentle is to make sure that somebody else is not physically hurt. Uh, so you tell them, be gentle, right? They, they know what that means. But, but gentleness is really more than that, though, isn't it? Um, a good axiom or a, a slogan, maybe, for your family as they go out into whatever they're going to go out into, especially when they're visiting others, is, is to be kind, be gentle, and be loving. Okay. Remind your kids of that. Be kind, be gentle, be loving. You do this because you recognize that it is... It's easy to not be gentle. It's easy to, to not be a nice person. In fact, it's much easier to get irritated. It's much easier to be irritating. You know, some of us, that, that, that might be our, our default setting, right? We just get irritated first, and then we try to backtrack and fix things. You think back to your teachers. Uh, some of them were renowned for being irritable and impatient and grumpy, right? You remember the grumpy ones. Of course, you also remember the ones you had a crush on, too, right? Um, I had a crush on my second grade teacher. Um, I don't remember her name, but, but I remember that she also liked dinosaurs the way I like dinosaurs. And I thought that would sustain our relationship. I was in second grade, so don't, you know, that's just the way it works. But when you also think about the way teachers were often treated, though, it's a miracle that they didn't just give up teaching altogether. I mean, they had reasons, not excuses, but reasons for being the sort of, of people that they were. Think about the man that uh, came home to his wife and says, I don't want to go back to church anymore. They don't appreciate me. They leave me out of their lives. They just seem to take me for granted. And the wife said, well, you have to go back, and I'll give you two reasons. First of all, you're 42, 42 years old. You need to learn how to get along with people. And secondly, you're the pastor, right? <laughs> now, we laugh, but sadly, that, that's true. No, no, not, not in my case. Y'all are great, okay? Uh, but I know of too many pastors that have left the ministry because of the way people have treated them or the way people have treated their families. They were not treated gently. They were not treated with moderation. 
Teachers have left teaching because of the way students have treated them. People have bailed out of marriages because of the treatment they received. Uh, business partners have dissolved businesses because of them not being able to get along. It happens. Life happens. And sometimes life is messy. I'm sure that you can look into your own lives and think of at least to us justifiable reasons when, when, when strange relationships with people have caused us to become angry or impatient, uh, irritated, abrupt, uh, caused you to become intolerant or unsociable. There have been times when um, they've caused us to want to give up, to blow up, to clam up. In response to this life situation, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaks the words that call us to a very specific reaction to irritating situations and to irritating people. Philippians 4 or 5, let your moderation be made known unto all men. Okay, let your gentleness be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I mean, that's, that's the call, right? That, that's the command. Now, now, remember the context in which these words were, were, were spoken. First, Paul's imprisoned himself. Actually, he is, he is specifically in prison because he was preaching the gospel. Paul has the message of truth. Uh, to tell uh, you know, the people, but the Jewish enemies uh, were, were falsely accusing him and were blaming him for creating dissent. They were convincing the government that Paul was a traitor. He's suffering chronically at the hands of people, very irritating people. But also the, the Philippian church is going through its own fair share of suffering and turmoil. There are people in the congregation who are trying to create division. Some are publicly questioning the message which Paul taught and accusing the congregation of ignoring the Old Testament. Many of them had sacrificed a lot to support Paul and others in their missionary work. The congregation in Philippi has suffered at the hands of people, very irritating people. In the context irritation, impatience, and retaliation, they seem to be justifiable reactions. But Paul does not encourage this kind of response. Instead, Paul calls them, actually Paul commands them to let their gentleness, to let their moderation be seen by everyone. Not just other Christians, but, but everyone with whom they come in contact. Everyone that sees them. See, in Christ, because you've trusted Christ as your Savior, because you are in Christ, you can be a person who has such a gentle approach to life that everyone around you can see this. Well, what is moderation or, or gentleness? Well, the best way to know what it is is to see it in action. Then, then, you, then, then you can tell. You know, in... Um, in Matthew, when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, you know, often when leaders would ride in, they, they, they would choose one of two ways to enter into a city. If they were a warrior king, a warrior leader, they would ride in on a white stallion, okay, just, you know, 
they're going to come in, they're going to take over, they're going to you know, take names, that kind of thing. If they're going to be a servant leader, they would come in very humbly. They would ride on this little donkey, uh, and, and you know, that's the way we see Jesus coming in. Very meek, very mild, power under control. Remember, he was God. He could obliterate everybody with a whisper, but he doesn't come in in a white stallion. Not yet. He will. <laughs> He's going to later. But this time when he came in, he came in with gentleness. He's letting everybody know, no, I'm not the political Messiah you are hoping for. My kingdom is different, and this is how I want my kingdom run. Another example, uh, this time it's Barnabas, Barnabas along with Paul. Uh, he was the leader, um, he and Paul were the leader of this, this, this first missionary journey in Acts. Uh, one of the support team that came along with them was a fairly young man named John Mark. Unfortunately, John Mark found that this missionary work, this traveling, was too difficult, so he, he fizzled and he sputtered and he failed miserably. He actually abandoned Paul and Barnabas to do the missionary work on their own, and later Paul and Barnabas planned a second journey. And uh, in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 to 41, I'm going to read it to you, but if you want to turn there, it's Acts 15, verse 36 to 41. It says, Some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again to visit our brethren in every city uh, where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them uh, from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being uh, re recommended by the brethren uh, un unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, maybe Paul and Barnabas weren't being kind and loving and gentle to each other, but, but the gentle treatment of Barnabas to Mark demonstrated to Mark a willingness to go to great lengths to give Mark another chance. Barnabas had stood up to the great apostle Paul for Mark. The irritation of failure has, has, had not caused Barnabas to dismiss Mark. Imagine the impact this had on, on this young man. Well, actually, we don't need to imagine the impact. Uh, we, we have an idea because John Mark later became the author of the Gospel of Mark. As a matter of fact, in one of his later letters, Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 9 through 11. He says, Do thy diligence to come uh, shortly unto me, for Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, uh, having loved this present world, and departed from Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark, Paul says, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. See, Mark was a person who could have been turned off to the ministry because of his failures, because of the impatience, because of the lack of gentleness by Paul. It was the gentleness of Barnabas that brought about a very different outcome in the life of Mark. Now you think, how many people have you damaged because you were not gentle? 
How have you hurt your children because it was easier to react in the flesh and get irritated? How many relationships have you lost because you could not say a gentle word instead of saying something cutting or demeaning? How many relationships have been destroyed because you did not act like Jesus? As we consider these examples, it's pretty obvious that that showing gentleness is going to be a lot more difficult than justifying becoming angry or impatient or irritated or abrupt or intolerant or insociable. It means that we have to be willing to accept that we can't always have things under our control. And there will be times when people don't meet our expectations and our relationship with them will have to be more important than our expectations. It means that we have to be willing to put away a judgmental and critical spirit and replace it with a spirit that wants to encourage even when failures occur. And their failure cannot be our opportunity to belittle them and condemn them and shame them. It means that we have to be willing to show our appreciation for the contributions of others, even when those gifts and contributions are different from our own. And that means acknowledging that it being done your way doesn't mean it's the only right way for something to be done just because it's your way. It means that we have to be willing to acknowledge that our way and and desire may not always be the best way. And even if it is the best way, we need to allow people the opportunity to learn new techniques without being condemning of them before they start. And that means being flexible and adaptable enough to let them do things in the framework of their own thinking patterns instead of condemning them for not thinking or not being like you. It means we have to be willing to allow one another to make mistakes. We have to be gracious enough that when we give them an assignment or a task, uh, we have to recognize that perfection is not going to come and people will let you down and often you just have to take the hit and go on without keeping score. That is being gentle. That is letting your moderation be known to all men. Now gentleness, ultimately gentleness is grace in action. Let me say that again. Gentleness is grace in action. God has been so very gentle with you in spite of how much you give him reason to be irritated. Isn't it true that God has to be so patient with us In fact, God allows us to make mistakes. He even allows us to sin. And then he gently helps us confess and repent and move on. See, God has never had an unmet expectation, so he does not get irritated with you. God could rightly, could have rightly taken the way of immediate justice, right? Every time we sin, right then. Every time we sin, right then pushing us, punishing us for our sin right on the spot. But he knew that that would crush us and it would make us afraid to approach him. So God chose a different way. 
chose a gentle way. He chose a gracious way. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Long-suffering means to take a long time to boil. Long-suffering means that you have a long fuse. Now, some of y'all's fuses are so short <laughs> that if y'all were firecrackers, we'd be missing some fingers, right? God has revealed a heart which desires us to be encouraged. So God took the way of gentleness by sending a gentle Savior. That is what God has done in Christ. It is the work of redemption and renewal, regeneration. And now you, you who are in Christ, you who have trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to be gentle. You need to be moderate with others. And many, many times it is in spite of how irritating they are to you. Believe me, it's not easy. I can really relate to the person that says, you know, Jesus loves you, but, but you're annoying, right? But don't look at me like you haven't felt that way before. No, you know, you know what that is. That's why this call, this command to be moderate, to be gentle, has a very, very specific dynamic. It says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. It means that the Lord is near. And the nearness has two meanings, two applications for us. First of all, the Lord is near in the sense that he's coming at any moment. The rapture could take place any time. Every prophecy has been fulfilled at any moment. The trumpet could sound and we could be gone. Jesus is going to return or, 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 or we're going to see him face to face if we die first. And, and, and how does that motivate us to make us gentle? Well, we know that when Jesus comes, we know that all things are going to be made right. Evil will be punished. The judgment will be consistent. We know that faithfulness will be rewarded. And God will commend his saints. If we happen to get the short end of the stick now, the coming of the Lord means that we don't have to get too stressed because God will bring an equity in the end. The Lord is near. The garbage and the irritations of this life will pass. You know, a lot of us who are irritating each other are going to be in heaven together. <laughs> Dwell on that little gem of truth, right? Yeah. So let's show our gentleness now and show gentleness to others who are not yet in the faith because we want them to be with us. There is... There was nobody so annoying that we would want them to spend an eternity in hell. So be gentle. The Lord is near. Well, the second way that we can apply this is the Lord is also near in the sense that he is walking with us every step of the way. Jesus is very aware of our attitudes, 
of our responses. He is very aware of our conduct. He sees and hears every thought you have. Jesus is very concerned about the way you act as an ambassador for him. Jesus, him being near, means that he sees how we live out our walk of faith. Jesus is so near that you have his spirit, God the Holy Spirit, indwelling you and prompting you to be gentle. Now how can you, you who have been the object of such patience, of such gentleness, how can you not show that same grace to others? So you're not better than them. You're not more privileged before the Lord or, or entitled than they are. How can you, who know that God has every right to be irritated and impatient and abrupt with you, but who didn't, how can you now not extend that same grace? How can you not forgive the small debt owed to you when God has forgiven such a great debt of you? He says, let your gentleness, let your moderation be evident to everyone, to believers, to those who are not yet believers, to your Savior who is walking with you always. See, in Christ, and, and I'm making an assumption here, I'm presupposing if you know Christ that, 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 that you get this, that you know Christ, you've been indwelt by the Spirit of God. He is giving you the power, the ability to obey. So I'm not asking anything unreasonable. The Word of God is not asking anything untoward of you. That in Christ, you can be the person who has such a gentle approach to life that everybody around you can see it. Live like this, and you will be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You will stand out like a beacon, like a light uh, in a world where, where irritation and impatience and abruptness and re re retaliation has become normal, expected. Let the guy that's trying to merge onto Egan in front of you, let him in. Hold the door, let the other person walk in or out first. Smile when you make eye contact. Don't be creepy about it, but, you know, <laughs> smile. Use soft words every chance you get. I mean, we all know we can be jerks. We know that about each other. We can be really big jerks. But surprise us. Be strong enough to take the hit and still be gentle in your response. Be the peculiar people that Jesus died to make you to be. Because Jesus is not asking you to do anything he has not already done himself. That he has not already shown you how to do and has empowered you to do. Just be like Jesus by being gentle. That's, that's 
Just be like Jesus. Be gentle. Stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the example that you have set. We thank you for the command that you've given us. Father, I pray that your spirit would convict us where we are not gentle, where we disobey this command. I pray, Father, that you would lead us to repent of that sin. Father, we, we, we are a needy people. And our flesh is ever warring against our spirit. So, Father, those of us who are in Christ, who have been empowered by you to obey you, I pray, Father, that we would submit to you and that we can indeed let our moderation, our gentleness, be seen by everyone that sees us. So much so, Lord, that they wouldn't really see us anymore, but they would see Christ in us because we are in him. In order to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead, please?